Uh, we're going to start a new series on uh, the book of Galatians. We have spent seven weeks on the topic of what is a disciple, on discipleship. When we talk about uh, discipleship, there's a lot of commitment emphasized. There's a lot of sacrifice emphasized, prioritizing Jesus and his word and denying yourself and forsaking everything and giving all to follow him and radical obedience, which is what Jesus taught. Apostle Paul lived and he taught himself as well. Um, and, and I think when we when we talk about discipleship in that way, sometimes we can get real heavy with this sense that we have to make all that happen in our own strength, that it's all up to us, that that we got saved and now we got to work it out in our own strength. Right. We got saved by grace, but now we're going to we're going to be sanctified by our work. Right. There's some Christians who tend to fall in that ditch. And because we fo- have focused on and emphasized discipleship and, and, and we know that there's, there's some heavy demands, high demands for disciples of Jesus Christ. I also want to bring us back to the foundational truth of the gospel of grace. The same grace that saves us is the same grace that empowers us and changes us and enables us to be who God has called us to be. And do what God has called us to do. And in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul defends the gospel of grace. And he, he, and he does so in a very strong, straightforward way. He doesn't hold back any punches. Uh, because Paul had ministered uh, to these Christians in Galatia. And they had, they had started in grace and then they were trying to, they, they got sucked into some, uh, what false teachers were teaching about keeping the law of Moses, the dietary laws or the, the ceremonial laws or being circumcised. And it was a, it was a dangerous, uh, heresy. It was a dangerous, uh, teaching that was, uh, distorting the gospel of grace. And Paul stood against that distortion. And he, he stood for the true, pure message of the gospel of the grace of God. And so this morning, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at uh, the essence of the gospel of grace, the origin of the gospel of grace, the, the consequences of rejecting the gospel of grace, and the effect of the, the effects of the gospel of grace in our lives. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Father... I thank you for your word and I thank you for this opportunity this morning to look at what you say in your word. And as we open up the pages of scripture, would you strengthen our hearts in the message of grace, the gospel of grace? And would you cause us to grow and to flourish and let the effects of the gospel of grace have have its way, have your way in us? that you might receive all the glory for our salvation and any fruit that comes from our life. I pray for any brother or sister in this place who is weighed down with the burden of rule keeping and that you would break and lift those yokes and that we would take your yoke that's easy and your burden that's light. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. 
but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are running to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, But there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven were to preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. So here's the big idea of where we're going this morning from Galatians chapter 1. The gospel is a message of grace that originated from God and it transforms the lives of those who believe it. The consequences of distorting or rejecting it are tragic and eternal. Okay? So the gospel is a message of grace. If I were to ask you, if somebody was to ask you to boil the good news, the gospel, down into one sentence or one paragraph, how would you do that? And then if they were to ask you to boil the gospel down into one sentence, what would you say in that one sentence? And then if they were to ask you to boil the gospel message down into one word, what would you boil the gospel down to? What would, what would you, as you strip and you get to the, the core elements of what the good news is, what would you say that the gospel is? You see, many people have all kinds of ideas of what the good news is. All right? Um, many people that I've talked to on the streets have this idea that uh, the good news is that they're they're a pretty good person. They're a pretty good person. Therefore, God should accept them and let them in the heaven if they were to die because they've done pretty good. They've loved people. They've helped. They've given generously. They've done some good things, right? And so the the Bible confronts this this way of thinking. Um, and actually, this this is one of the problems here in the book of Galatians that the Apostle Paul deals with, um, and it's called legalism. And legalism is working to earn God's favor or acceptance. Okay, there's one aspect of it. Legalism is working in our own power to keep the rules. And or it's, it's, le- it's working according to our own rules. We're going to make up our own rules and or add to God's rules. And, and we're going to keep those rules too, right? And so this was a problem in, 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 in with the Galatians. Uh, and, and, and it wasn't just a problem then, it's a problem now. Because there's something about the human heart that wants to work to earn stuff from God so that we can, one, so that we can control us being accepted by God. And, and so that we can 
pat ourselves on the back. We feel good. We feel proud about, look what I've done. I've saved myself, right? And so the problem is there's none of us that can make ourselves acceptable to God. There's none of us who can save ourselves. There's none of us who have a righteousness or a goodness that's good enough to earn forgiveness, salvation, everlasting life. And so one of the, one of the, the subtle, um, uh, issues of, of, of what was being taught by these false teachers, they were called Judaizers, is it wasn't that they were like come straight out saying God doesn't exist or we don't believe in God. It wasn't that they were saying, well, Jesus didn't really come and die for our sins. Jesus isn't the Messiah. The problem was they were professors of Jesus, but they were professing Jesus and then adding on some, some law keeping of some, some keeping of the law of Moses. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus be a good Jewish person, right? And so the, the problem with that, well, one, one of the issues with that is, it, it's, it's, it's an affront to the gospel of grace itself. It, 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 it contradicts the gospel. It revises the gospel. And then Paul says it's no gospel at all when people distort the gospel. And so these guys were trying to have the best, best of both worlds, the Jewish world and the Gentile world. All right. They wanted acceptance from the Jewish world because if you preach a gospel of grace and Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, that would cause persecution from the Jews, right? Paul experienced that. They wanted the, the, the Gentile converts, uh, and then they, they wanted the Jewish favor. They wanted the, to kind of please both there. And Paul says that he wasn't somebody who sought to please man. He said, if I was in verse 10, if I seek to please man, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. If I'm seeking the approval of man, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. And so this is a problem. Legalism is a problem. This, this, the human heart that seeks to earn position, favor, uh, acceptance with God by our own merit. Most religions have this aspect. They're, they're, they're trying to work their way up to God through their goodness, through their discipline, through their knowledge, uh, through various means. But, but what's distinct about Christianity, it's, is, it's not about man working his way up to God. It's about God coming down to man and meeting fallen, broken mankind in his and her sinful state. And that's where, that's where it becomes grace for us. Because we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't make it happen ourselves. It's about God. And so the essence of the gospel of grace, as Paul explains it here, it, it, it was about what God had done for us, not what we can do for Him. It's about what God has done for us in sending His Son Jesus, and Jesus giving His life for us to die on the cross for us, to taste death for us for three days, and be resurrected from the dead on the third day. Uh, Galatians 1.3 says this. He says, Grace and peace to you from, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. You see, the gospel is about God and what He has done. You see, Paul uses several phrases uh, in his writings he, to describe the gospel. The word gospel means good news, right? And so Paul uses the, the, the phrase the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul uses the phrase the gospel of the grace of God. Okay, 
the gospel of salvation, um, the gospel of God, and so on. And so, and all these describe the heart and the essence of, of the good news. That it's about Jesus. It's about God. It originates from Him. It's, it's, it's Him sending the Father, sending the Son, and the Son giving His life for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. And also notice that it's according to the will of God. This is God's will. The gospel is something God wanted. It's something that God thought about. It's something that God initiated, not man. This came from God. And the glory goes back to God when we recognize that, that it's of grace and that it's not of us. It's not of man. So again, many folks uh, think that... uh, uh, getting right with God and acceptance with God is done through their good works. And 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 when I ask them certain questions, like um, people that I meet on the street, if you were to die today and you were to stand before God and He were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Most people would say something along the lines of, that I've talked to, well, I've been a pretty good person. I haven't been that bad. You know, I, I go to church, I haven't killed anybody and so on. And, and, and so when, when they respond like that, that's a diagnostic question that, that helps us see what, what, what are you trusting in that's going to get you there? Um, it's, it's not what we've done that saves us. It's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Paul also, uh, expounds on the, um, the origin of the gospel. So Paul defends his own apostleship and he defends the message that he had received from God. Paul says in, in verse 11 and 12, he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Man didn't make it up. It didn't originate from man. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, it the gospel of grace is about God coming down to us, not us reaching up to God and, and attaining righteousness in our own strength. It was something that God initiated, something that God had done. It was God's will. It was, it was God's work, not our work. And it's free. Grace, the word grace, by the way, means unmerited favor. Free, unmerited favor. God's undeserved gift, blessing, favor. We don't merit it. We don't earn it. But again, there's something in our heart that, that wants to, that we want to, we want to pay God for it. You know, it's like a, a generous guy who was, was giving, he gave a, a very expensive car to his son. I mean, imagine if his son were to pull out just the money that he had in his wallet, five bucks, and say, Dad, really? Let me just give you this, this five bucks. I'll feel a little bit better. If I can just give you this five bucks, um, that, that would be offensive, right, to, to a father. Like, I don't want your five bucks, son. This is a free gift that I am giving to you. And many folks feel like they, they, they need to pay God for the gift of salvation. Grace goes against our grain. Many folks don't even have it on their radar because we have this, this mindset that I gotta earn it. I gotta earn forgiveness. I gotta earn acceptance. I gotta earn my way in the heaven, right? Uh, but, but grace is free. Grace is about what God has done, not what we do. And so, so Paul argues in verse 11 and 12 and then in his testimony that the gospel that he preached, it wasn't something that he made up. Now, Paul wasn't one of the 12 apostles. 
he came came to Christ after but but Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus and he commissioned him to to go preach the gospel he he saved Paul he gave Paul revelation of the gospel of the grace of God and so Paul argues that this wasn't something that I thought of. It wasn't something that a man thought of or a man taught me. I got this from a divine source, from Jesus Christ himself. Paul's strong language he gives. Usually in Paul's letters, he starts off with grace and peace, and then he has this nice, sweet prayer that he prays for the church. All right, I pray that that the eyes of your hearts be enlightened, right? In Ephesians, or I pray in Colossians, I pray that that uh, the Lord make you be fruitful in every good work, and and so on. And he has these these sweet prayers for the church. And in in this book, we see this very strong emotional response immediately uh, in, in the opening of the letter after he greets them. He says, "I'm astonished." I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You see here how Paul, throughout this letter, Paul will make an argument for the grace of Christ, for the gospel of grace. And if we try to revise the gospel of grace, it all of a sudden becomes no gospel at all. It becomes distorted. If, if, if there was, if you were to buy a bottle of water from the store and it said 99% pure, 1% sewage water, would you, would, would you even consider getting that? Would you think, well, it's 99% clean, I'll take it, right? It's, it's half off, I'll get it, right? It's half, 99%, I'll take my chances, right? You, you probably wouldn't. You want clean water, water that's 100% pure and filtered, right? Reverse osmosis. And so, and the same with the gospel, if, if we, if we distort it or we revise it just a little bit, just to add to it what we think can approve, improve upon it, then all of a sudden it's no gospel anymore. It's a distorted gospel that Paul says isn't a gospel at all in verse seven. He quickly says that, uh, you're turning to a different gospel, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So Paul uses very strong language. As I, as I said last week, that, that in the, the epistles, the apostles are very concerned about the stability of the church. That they would be stable and strong and strengthened. That they wouldn't be doctrinally unstable. That they would be grounded and rooted. That they would grow up into Christ's likeness. That they would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Second Peter 3. 318, right? And so Paul's concerned about this. Paul's concerned about these Judaizers who are trying to woo these young Christians away uh, by a distorted gospel, a message. And Paul goes on in verse 8 and 9. He says, but even if I or, or even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, let them be accursed. This is powerful. So, so Paul's saying, even if, you know, later on, I, I come back and tell you guys, you know that, that message I preached to you all the first time? I really, I didn't have it all uh, honed in yet. There's still a few more things here. You guys need to get circumcised. Paul says, if, if I do that, I'm cursed. Like, don't, don't listen to me. If an angel from heaven claims that he has a message, here's what the real gospel is. Paul says, don't listen to him. He's, he's cursed. 
Last week I shared the story about um, when I was a young Christian, I was watching TV, and there was a, 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 a commercial on uh, about, if you want a revel- better revelation of Jesus Christ, call this number and we'll come and we'll bring you this book. And I was a new Christian. I wanted to know Jesus better. I wanted to understand the gospel better. And so I thought these guys might could help me do that. And so I said, yeah, come on, man, I want the book. So the guys show up, and they were Mormons. And they had, the book that they had was the Book of Mormon to give me a better understanding of the gospel, right? Of according, their gospel. And, and thankfully, because I didn't know any better as a Christian, I, I would have just went along with, yeah, okay, this sounds right. Um, thankfully, my stepfather, who was a little more grounded, a lot more grounded than I was in the faith at that time, he, he was able to defend me. He was able to help me like a shepherd would, uh, a sheep when, when a wolf gets in, uh, among the, the, the flock, right? And so he defended me and he protected me. And Paul had this kind of vigilance, this kind of, um, strength when it comes to the protecting these new Christians and the, the Galatian Christians there. He was very strong with them, and then he, he's very strong in his language towards the Judaizers. He even makes some statements about it. He says, I, I wish they would go cut themselves off. In love, he had some really strong things to say. So the consequences of distorting the gospel of grace are tragic and they're eternal. Paul uses this really strong word twice. God bless you. Paul uses this word, let him be accursed. Verse 9. And he said, and he's, and as we have said before, now and say, and I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So he says this twice. I've said it once. Let him be accursed. If it's a different gospel, it's a, if it's a distorted gospel, let him be accursed. And so this, some translations, one translation says, uh, eternally condemned. Let him be, I think the NIV says, let him be eternally condemned. The NET, New English Translation, says, let them be condemned to hell. So the, the effects of believing a false gospel are eternal and they're tragic. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved eternally. And it's through trusting in His grace and what He's done, not what we've done as I've said before, that if you're trusting in your own good works to get you to heaven, it's like trusting a parachute that's been packed by the devil and you go skydiving. Let's go. This is going to be fun, right? Here, put this on. And the devil packed it, right? And you get, you jump out of that plane and you pull that cord and it's not going to work for you, right? Jesus Christ is the only parachute. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life, the only means of salvation. He is our salvation. And, and the gospel of grace is what accurately explains how we can be saved, how we can be rescued from sin's penalty, from sin's power. The gospel of grace frees us. Amen. Uh, let's look, look briefly here at the, the effects of the gospel of grace. So Paul's life was transformed from a persecutor into a preacher of Christ himself it says he who, who Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age so one of the effects of the the gospel of Jesus Christ the gospel of grace is deliverance god delivers us from our sins he delivers us from this present evil age from the powers of darkness that control in this case it was the teaching of the judaizers which was a part of that present evil age 
in, in Paul's day. Uh, and then it also frees us from man-pleasing. The effects of the gospel on Paul's life was he was freed up from trying to please people and trying to earn uh, salvation from God by his good works. If, if you're enslaved to the opinions of people and you're trying to please people all the time and you're carrying that yoke of trying to please people, you need the gospel of grace to free you up from seeking man's approval. You see, God's approval frees us to live in a way in which God approves. God's approval gives us confidence that we know that He is for us and He's pleased with us, not because of what we've done or what we haven't done. You see, the Christian has the smile of God on their life. The Christian has the pleasure of God on their life, not because they've done great, but because Jesus has done great for them. When the Father said of Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, He expressed His pleasure for Jesus, but that same pleasure is directed towards us who have put our faith in Jesus, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So the righteousness that God views us having is Jesus' righteousness, not our own. And God is pleased with that. Jesus, before He died on the cross, He said, it is finished. And that work that, that, that He accomplished at the cross for our salvation, He gave Himself for us, is what brings us into the realm of grace. It's what brings you and I into the realm of God's pleasure and God's favor as His children. But if I were the coach of my, my seven-year-old son's baseball team and I, and he was up to bat and it was a big game and I said, go get it, son, you can do it, hit a home run, right? And he was to get up there and he was to strike out, totally just, just fail. Even if he might feel bad that he missed it, he could still know that he has his father's love, his father's pleasure, and that doesn't change anything about our relationship and how I feel towards my son. He's just as loved by me. He wouldn't be any more loved by me if he hit a home run than if he struck out. He might feel more excitement and more uh, delight and I will rejoice with him, but I will not love him anymore because he hits a home run or love him any less because he strikes out. And sadly, many Christians have this mindset when it comes to God. They think that when they hit a home run, God loves me more. God's more happy with me now. And they think when they, when they strike out, I'm not in God's favor anymore. You see, in the gospel of grace, tears that kind of legalistic thinking down. It tears the, that, the, the yoke of legalism down and it breaks the yoke of that and it frees us up to be children of God who walk in the liberty that Christ has purchased us to walk in. You see, it's not just the rule breakers who need deliverance and freedom. It's also the rule keepers. It's not just the irreligious who need the gospel, but it's also the religious. God doesn't want you just to repent of your, your, your transgressions and your sinfulness and the moral things that you've done. He wants you to repent of your self-righteousness, your rule-keeping to make yourself righteous before Him. You see, there was a prodigal son who just went and lived for the world and he went and did his own thing. 
And he returned. He repented at one point. And there was another brother, an elder brother, who was there the whole time. And he was doing what the father was was doing. But his heart was just as distant. And he was just as disconnected from the heart of the father as the prodigal son. And so Jesus came for both. He came for those who who are just way out there and, and, and their sin is so obvious. And he came for to, to rescue the religious who may not see their need as much. He gave himself to deliver us. And and if somebody's drowning, if somebody's, you know, recently there was a, a duck boat that um, tragically went down in, in Missouri last week or the week before. Uh, several people died in this, this boat that went under. And they were told that they didn't need life jackets, right? The captain said, don't worry about the life jackets. You don't need it. And several people died. They did, they did need a life jacket. And if somebody's in water drowning and they can't, they can't get up and they're treading water, they don't need a list of a, a, a how-to manual how to swim or a YouTube video. Here, take this YouTube video. Here, take this manual. Hey, take this rule book. It'll help you out. They need a rescuer, not a rule book in that moment. And you see, Jesus comes to us, not with just a rule book. Hey, keep these rules and you guys will be all right. And you can get out of this that you and save yourself from drowning. No, he comes with a life saver and he gives his life. He throws us a life jacket or a lifesaver and he rescues us from drowning because we can't save ourselves. And verse four, that's what he came to do. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age. That's the effects of the gospel. And it wasn't through a list of rules. It was through Christ coming, His grace. And that frees us up from pleasing man. And then we see the Apostle Paul, who was transformed, who was once a persecutor of the church. He was once, Paul was once a terrorist. He got saved and changed by the gospel of grace and he became an evangelist. A terrorist to an evangelist. A persecutor to a preacher. That's what the gospel of grace did. He, it took this, this, this hard heart who was violent, who was murderous, who was having Christians killed, and he radically saved Paul. And Paul became uh, one of the most effective, fruitful missionaries, evangelists, apostles that we see. And Paul gives all the credit to the grace of God. Not because he had lots of education in Judaism and, and, and had a, had a good moral past. It was, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. It was amazing grace that saved Paul, that rescued Paul. It's amazing grace that saves you and me. And let's go, let's go ahead and look a little bit. He goes into his testimony. I'd like for us to focus in on this. And there's a couple things about Paul's testimony that you can see here that you can also use in developing and sharing your own testimony. Uh, what we can see in, in Paul's testimony in Galatians 1, we also see this in Acts 26 when he shares his testimony. He describes his life before he was a Christian. He describes how he came to, how he became a Christian. And then he describes his life like after he was a Christian. Like what was happening? What was God doing, right? Okay, so we'll start uh, with before he was a Christian. 
It says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, my, many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. This, this whole deal with circumcision and keeping the law, Paul knew about it. And he knew that that wasn't the way of righteousness. That wasn't the way to get right before God. By the way, when you share your testimony of what God's done and saving you by His grace, that we should do so with purpose and intent. That, that we should do so to strategically speak to gospel issues for the sake of reaching people where they're at. There are parts of my testimony. I don't always just share everything when I share my testimony with people. In a four-minute conversation, I'll pull out parts of my testimony that I think are most relevant to the people that I'm talking to, a, a truth about my testimony that I think the people that I'm talking to may need to hear, right? And so Paul does this here. He, 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 he looks back at his life and he says, I was engulfed in Judaism. I was, I was practicing that stuff. In Philippians 3, he, he, ex, he gives his credentials. He gives his resume and he says, I count it all as dung. For the, for, for the sake of knowing Jesus. I call, I count it all as lost for the sake of knowing Jesus. And so Paul had lots of credentials. Uh, he was zealous for the traditions of his father. He was advancing in Judaism. And then check this out. I love this. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Notice how Paul got saved. It wasn't, oh, well, I decided one day I'm just going to start following Jesus. I decided, well, I need, to, I need to change my approach to the Bible. It was, he gives credit to the grace of God. God who called me by His grace, His unmerited favor, His blessing. This was God's doing. And God was working His plan out since I was born, He says here. He, uh, let's see. Yeah, verse 15. Before I was born. Ephesians chapter 1, He talks about that. Paul goes back way to eternity past saying that in grace, God chose us and predestined us to be His very own, right? And so we're not an afterthought when it comes to sal- when it comes to being in God's family and it comes to our salvation. It wasn't like, well, maybe I should save this guy now that he's 40 years old, right? God, even before we were born, was thinking about us and had good plans in store for us. And all this strips us of our pride and our self-righteousness when we realize before we can do anything good or bad at all, God had a plan to save us. And the rescue us. And he did it by his grace. You see, when I was a baby or when I was in my mother's womb, I had no way to earn anything from God. I was unable, unable to, to earn salvation. Paul was unable to achieve righteousness in his own strength. God had called him by his grace. And God was pleased to reveal his son Jesus. The father was pleased to reveal his son Jesus in him, to him and through him, in order that he might preach him among the Gentiles. So what were you like before you became a Christian? You know, some of us were rule keepers. 
Some of us were just rebels and rule breakers, right? What characterized your life? In what ways were you broken and disconnected from God and dysfunctional from God's design and God's plan for your life? And then what was it that brought you? What, what, what was it leading up to that place of, of surrendering and experiencing uh, the grace of God in your life? What was it that, 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 that brought you to a place where you see Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Paul says it was His grace. God revealed Himself to me. He was pleased to do so. God did this on the road to Damascus. Paul was on his way to kill some more Christians. In Acts chapter 9, he was a terrorist. He was on his, he was on his way to have Christians uh, stoned. He had already been doing that. He had been given permission to do that, and he was going having Christians persecuted. I mean, that just testifies of the gospel of grace. It, that just shows that God can save the hardest of hearts. God can save the chief of sinners, the, the, the most hard, uh, violent terrorist. And we should pray for them. We should pray for those who, who, who go that path because God saves people by His grace. And so, so we have before Paul was a Christian, he was advancing in Judaism. He was, he was a, a rule keeper externally. He was doing the, externally he was keeping uh, a lot of the, the ceremonial things of the law and advancing in Judaism. He had pleasure or favor from other Jews based on that. He had some external righteousness based on that. Uh, and then he came by God's grace. He came to Jesus. God knocked him off of his horse. God gave him revelation of Jesus Christ and of, of the gospel of grace. And then uh, in verse 16, it carries on. And he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That's Peter. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Verse 20. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were, were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. That's the effect of the gospel of grace in somebody's life. It brings glory to God because of what He's done in saving and rescuing. Paul couldn't pat himself on the back and say, good job, Paul. Way, way, to, way to get yourself out of that one. Uh, it was the grace of God. It was the mercy of God that, that brought salvation to Paul, that brought transformation to Paul. And notice verse 23. Notice this statement of transformation that the church saw this. They witnessed they witnessed the gospel of grace in somebody's life that they had seen transformed radically. They had seen evidence of the, the gospel working in somebody's life. They said, he who persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. That's the power and the effect of the gospel on a life, right? And the aim, and when we're sharing our testimony, is we want to give God glory. We want to put the spotlight on Him, not on our dramatic experiences. 
Not, we don't want to glorify our flesh and how, how wicked we were and, and get into all the gory details of the things that we were doing just for the sake of ooh and eyeing others who hear our story. We, the purpose in sharing our testimony is to put the spotlight on Jesus, on the gospel of grace, so that He might be glorified and so that other people might be helped to believe the gospel, to know the gospel, to know Jesus Himself and know that they, they can have this relationship with Him as well. This too has been my experience. God rescued me when I couldn't rescue myself. So I used to be, I used to be a boxer in, in 1998. Um, I won the Fort Worth Golden Gloves. And I share that with you not to tell you how cool I was and not to tell you about a special experience of my life. But although I could win in a boxing ring, a boxing match, I could not win against my struggle with sin and Satan and I couldn't save myself. I needed somebody else to step into the ring and fight for me. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He stepped in when He went to the cross and He fought for you and me and He won. He paid the price. He bore our sins. He went to the grave. It looked like He was down for the count. One, two, three. He's down. Four, five, six. Second day, seven, Eight, nine, third day, he's risen. He's alive. He got up. He won. He conquered death. He paid the price for sin once and for all so that you and I can be delivered and set free and have eternal life and, and walk in the freedom of the children of God and know who we are as children of God, know where we're going, know who we are, and know what we have, an inheritance salvation as a free gift in Christ Jesus. And maybe there's somebody here today that needs to accept that free gift of grace. God extends that out freely to anybody. Whosoever will come. Whosoever will believe. Whosoever will receive that free gift of grace. And Christian, if you've done that and then you've been walking with Jesus, don't think that you start in elementary school with grace, but then you go into high school and college by your works. I'm going to finish this Christian life up by being a good disciplined person. No, grace, the gospel of grace isn't just the, the ABCs of Christianity, it's the A through Z. You don't graduate from the school of grace. You don't grow out of your need of the gospel of grace here in this life. You need to come back to the gospel and be rooted in it if you're going to grow into a mature, fruitful Christian who looks like Jesus, then you need to be saturated and grounded in what Jesus Christ has done for you and don't believe the lie that it's all about what you can do for Him. Yeah, He wants you to obey Him and, and, and surrender all and give your life to follow Him and His purposes. But that's not what gives us favor and pleasure on our lives. It's what Jesus has done for us. Amen? So in closing here, I want to challenge everybody to evaluate the gospel that you believe, that you have believed and that you believe right now. Is it one of grace? Is it free? A free gift, undeserved, that you haven't earned, you can't earn? Or is it a distortion of the gospel of grace? Is it Jesus plus 
your spiritual disciplines? Is it Jesus plus be a good person? Is it Jesus plus go to church? Is it Jesus plus read your Bible? Is it Jesus plus pray an hour a day? Is it Jesus plus fast and pray? Is it Jesus plus go on the mission field or be a missionary? Is it Jesus plus do evangelism? It's Jesus. It's His grace. And we receive that through faith. Not by what we do. Do you take any credit for your conversion or your growth as a Christian? Or do you say like Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. Before I was born, God called me and He rescued me by His grace. And, 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 and God's grace towards me wasn't in vain, but I labored more and more than the rest of the apostles. I worked harder and harder than all the other apostles. Yet not I. But it was the grace of God working in me, through me. Are you trying to serve God in your own strength? Did you start off in the grace of God? I'm going to trust you, Jesus, but now you're trusting yourself to serve God and do great things for Him. I just got to work harder. I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to be more disciplined. You see, we need continually to abide in Jesus and depend upon His grace. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Has His grace freed you from seeking man's approval? Or do you rest in God's approval for you in Christ Jesus? Are you, are you fretting about trying to get people to like you? Get people to approve of you and what you're doing? So you work harder and harder because you want man's approval? Or are you free to do what God approves of because you already have God's approval in Christ Jesus? Has the gospel of grace freed you from seeking righteousness through rule-keeping? Yes, God wants us to be obedient Christians. But He doesn't want us to think that our righteousness, our right standing, our acceptance, or His love for us is based on our rule keeping or our our obedience. He loved us when we weren't obedient. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So let's pray. And let's evaluate the gospel that we believe. Is it the gospel of grace? And let's discern if there are any distortions that we've heard, maybe with people with good intentions who have been misled, Father, would you search us? Would you reveal in us any hurtful way? Would you show us, God, where where we fail to believe and apply the gospel of grace to our lives? May we live it out May we respond. May we see ourselves as you see us. May we see the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done as you've declared it to be in the scriptures. When it's attacked, when it's questioned and there's doubts and there's uh, maligning that message, God, help us to stand strong and be grounded in the truth of the gospel of grace. Thank you that you love us, not based on our works, but you love us because you love us. So may that free us up, God. May that free us up to to live as children of God that know we have your smile upon our lives. In Jesus' name.